Today on the show, we have Scott and Bethany Palmer, also known as The Money Couple. I mean, they started out their marriage fighting about money nonstop when they realized they were just coming at it from different perspectives. That's when the five money personalities were born, and they're here to share about it today. The Legendary Marriage Podcast begins now. If you're feeling more like roommates than soulmates, it's time for the Legendary Marriage Podcast. Every couple wants to have a great marriage, but the trials and challenges of life pull us in different directions. So we talk with amazing couples who share their stories and incredible experts who share their wisdom about building a life together. And at the end of every show, we give you a conversation starter so you and your spouse can build more intimacy and connection in your marriage by having conversations that matter. Hey, it's Danielle and Justin. This is episode 132 of the Legendary Marriage Podcast. Hello. Hey, welcome to the show. Hey, Justin, you and I have never fought about money, have we? <laughs> money. <laughs> Pull yourself together. <laughs> Come on. You're supposed to put on a good face for our audience. Okay, I hope... Stop, I can't breathe. <laughs> I hope Scott and Bethany Palmer oh, are not man. listening to yes, this. Yes, we have had plenty of fights about money. Well, it's it's stated as the number one issue that people fight about that leads to divorce. So yes. um, it's definitely an important issue. Um, we're going to talk about it a little bit more about our perspectives and why Justin is laughing hysterically. Oh, man. This week on Pillow Talk, we have every Thursday night at 8 p.m. Central, we go live on our Legendary Marriage Facebook page and we do a breakdown of this week's show and... We do the check-in and teach you all about the check-in. That's a great way to have an intimate, connected conversation in just five minutes with your spouse. If you're curious, check out legendarymarriage.com. Without any awkwardness or drama or anything. Slash check-in. I'm glad you interrupted me in the middle of reading a website address. (laughs) That'll be another thing we can fight about (laughs) after this episode. LegendaryMarriage.com slash check-in. See, you got to say it fast enough that I can't interrupt Oh, you. All right. my bad. Two quick announcements. Uh, well, actually, one quick announcement before we dive into the interview with Scott and Bethany. Super excited about that. Um, it is summertime, and we've got some adventures planned. So if you're not already, head over to Facebook and Instagram and follow at Legendary Marriages. All right. You're going to want to see what we've got coming up here. Let's do it. All right. Let's get to our show with Bethany and Scott Palmer. We are so happy to have Scott and Bethany Palmer on the show, authors of Five Money Personalities. Apparently, you have five different personalities going on. Well, do you have five different personalities Uh, in your head? Possibly. Um, They have been on amazing shows like um, Good Morning America. They've been in Money Magazine, all kinds of places. These guys are the experts on really helping couples get on the same page about their finances. We are so happy to have them on the show. Welcome, you guys. Hey. Well, thanks for having us. It's great to be here. Yes. Okay. So I want to know, um, as as kids, Wait. I'm always yeah, so curious. At the beginning. I'm always curious, were you guys like the ones that were like, you know, hoarding the money, is saving up, get cracking into the piggy bank, or did you have wads of cash like me on your dresser and you just grabbed a fistful and stuck it in your pocket? <laughs> 
Wait, is that just me? <laughs> um, well, so what were you guys like as kids with money? Yeah, I spent every penny. Uh, every freaking dollar burned was, a hole in my pocket. was instantly gone. <laughs> so I had my first job when I was 12, studying tires for Michelin. And that was before HIPAA laws and stuff like that. But so I'm old. But um, yeah, and every penny I made, I spent. I Saving to me was not even a little bit on my horizon. And same with me. And we haven't changed. <laughs> We're still the same way. We still love spending money. <laughs> yeah, we do. We love giving gifts too. So that says a lot about Anybody that. else want to know, what does that mean, studying tires? What does that mean? Oh, <laughs> well, see... Y'all are from down south, so you don't know how this works. But back in the day, we actually had these little metal spikes that we would stick into tires, that we'd implant in a tire's tread so that it would give you more traction in the snow. So in Colorado, especially when you're skiing a lot, that came in really handy because when it got snowed, I mean, they were loud, but these tires would take you up the side of the mountain and you wouldn't even think about it. Oh, wow. so it's kind of like chains, only they're like golf spikes embedded in your tires. That's okay. exactly what it is, that in yeah. tires. Yep. Got wow. it. Okay, so you guys were spending money like crazy. I love it. Now, what about your parents' money mindsets? Were they? Did they talk to you guys about money when you were kids? Uh, no, actually, our parents didn't at all. And one of the biggest pain points between me and my mother were um, our spending habits were so different. I mean, I a, a dollar would burn a hole in a pocket for me and she would be out buying generic brand products because you know she wouldn't dare spend full price for anything. And we were so very, very different. And until we developed the money personalities and discovered them, I didn't really even understand the dynamic that was going on between my mother and myself. Mm -hmm. And... Um, I can't even tell you, here's a great example. So I was a nationally ranked swimmer. So swimming, I was a competitive swimmer. Swimming was a big part of my life. And at the time, Lycra swimsuits were a really big deal and they were rather expensive. And I remember my, I was going to nationals and my coach wanted me to get one of these new Lycra swimsuits and it cost a lot of money. I think they were about like $45. Well, back then that was a lot of money. Sure. And my mom put up the biggest stink about it. And I was so embarrassed. She was like just making the biggest deal about how expensive it was and she didn't want to buy it and all this kind of stuff. And me not being that way, I remember thinking to myself, am I not worth that swimsuit? Am I not worth it? And I didn't say it, but I thought it. And now I understand why. Because if I had that natural propensity towards saving, if a dollar did not burn a hole in my pocket, I probably would have agreed with her. But I didn't. And I really, it really hurt. And that kind of thing happened all the time between us. Mm. All the time. It really uh put a wedge between the two of you. Oh, it did until a number of years, until probably about maybe seven, eight years ago when we both just really identified our difference in that area and talked it out. Um, she's like, I didn't mean to do that. I didn't mean to make you. You're like, I could have been an Olympian. You could have bought me a $45 swimsuit. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, we, we do things as parents uh, that we don't mean to, but just because we're looking at money differently than our kids and we're not the same as our kids, we're different. And so it's super uh, exciting to really start to have a way now to be able to identify what your money personalities are, what your kids' money personalities are, and to be able to stop that kind of put down when again, you may be doing it unintentionally. Yeah. 
Scott, what what about you? Your your story kind of growing up, what was your relationship with money and 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 in your family too? Yeah, so I was a very hard worker. I wasn't she's the athlete of the family. I'm not. That's why <laughs> guys that don't have any athletic ability, we run because we probably got chased quite a bit in high school anyways. So that's kind of ingrained in us. But, um, so I, I was very hard worker. I had a job. I pretty much worked almost full time, went to school and almost worked full time since I was 12 years old. Um, spent every penny that I made. Um, I A lot of that was just because the expectation in my house was that you work hard. So all the extra stuff that you want, you buy. So that was... Um, a huge motivator for me in high school. And I worked all the way through, through college. My dad, um, is a CPA by trade. And, um, so he, he, I kind of grew up and, and Bethany's dad was actually financial advisor. So we both kind of grew up in man- family management households that, you know, were all tied to money management, but you know, my dad and I are, uh, we're, we're, we're really tight. I mean, we probably talk every other day. He lives about uh, a mile. My mom and my dad live about a mile away from us. So, um, but money was nothing that we really talked a lot about. And I don't think my dad and I ever really even had a good money conversation until I was flunking accounting my sophomore year. And so as CPA, he kind of, he kind of helped me limp through that, that course. But um, yeah, you know, and I think, I think generally, generationally speaking, our parents are boomers. And I think generally speaking, you didn't talk a lot about money, even to your kids. Yeah. Because I would never have dreamed. My son asked me the other day, he said, Hey dad, how much money do you make a year? I would never even have dreamed have asking my dad that um, because money was such a private, uh, closely held thing. And our generation. No, and, and no one knew at the, in their generation, like how much houses cost. Yeah, and I mean, you, that. You, that was all private and personal. My God, my, my oldest got on Zillow the other day and said, hey, dad, you know, they say our house is worth this much. And I'm like, well, I do now. So. Well, what do you think that's all about? What do you think um, was the privacy, like the the tight lippedness about it? And now it's not so much. It's generational. Well, and also availability of the information. Right, availability. But I think it was generational. I mean, their, their, their mom and dads were depression kids, so they had no money. And so they never want to talk about what they had in case they lost it. I think that got passed on to the boomers. Um, and that money was just a very private thing. And then I think now as, as Gen Xers, which we are and, and millennials, there's just so much more information available, but I think also it's a topic that's open for conversation. Um, so much so that I think that's where a lot of couples struggle with talking about money because they never, they never watched their parents talk about money. And when their parents did talk about money, it was usually in a fight. And so Part of what we have to do with couples and what we have to do with our kids, too. It starts with the couple first. You can't teach your kids about money and you can't teach your kids how to communicate about money. If as a couple, you don't know how to communicate about it. So if you're not communicating it as a couple, you can't talk to your kids about it. And so that's really the the great thing about the, the Gen Xers and and the millennials is that we have more of an environment and we have more resources to actually help that conversation happen. And that's what Bethany and I are all about. I think too, it's been, I think just the financial world has been quite a bit more simplified than it has been in the past. Yeah, like more accessible. I, yeah. I just remember my parents sitting down to do taxes and like bringing out all these documents and folders and you the know, all these things. And, and you're like, 
now we just get online, you know, click yes or no, put, put, punch in some numbers and, you know, I did all our taxes this year on my phone. I know. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Really on your whole thing for the business, for everything. That's hilarious. Well, that's what I'm saying is like, I feel like it used to be a lot more intimidating and scary. And so as kids, you're like, uh, I don't, I don't know if I want to know about all that. Just hope, hope for the best. You're, keep right. going, mom, the dad. Balancing the checkbook thing. Oh, yeah, the, yeah. Like all, all that. And then if it was off by like a cent, they'd have to go back through it. And you're like, My mom what? still does that. Does she do that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Are you she'll supposed pr- to do she'll that? Print out, she will literally print out the bank statement. Like oh. she'll log into her bank account, print it out, and then compare her receipts everything that she's spent money on and make sure she knows exactly what that was and where it was, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm just like, that sounds exhausting. You have a money personality for that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, you do. Uh, Okay. We're going to get to that. Let's get to that. But, but like, so this idea of couples, each person having a different money personality and, and how do we work together and get on the same page, but it all starts back with this, the origin story. Yeah. Right? So, so what? So tell us, how did you guys meet? How did you know? Like, get, take us back to the beginning. I so, bet you they spent a bunch of money on their wedding. Yeah, we did. We did. We did. <laughs> we did. So we did. it was it was an awesome wedding. Well, and it's really neat. We um, both were dating other people. Scott was actually engaged to somebody else when we originally met. And um, we actually met um, through our fathers. We, they, didn't cl- they don't claim that they introduced us to meet to be, start dating or anything, but we did actually meet through our fathers because our fathers became friends when we were older. Scott's dad was a CPA. My dad was a, um, uh, in the financial advising world. And, so, and they had met. And so that's how we originally met. As a matter of fact, I went out to lunch with his dad before I ever went out to lunch with him because I was coming to Colorado Springs for some business. And my dad said, you got to meet this great CPA in town. And he is so great. And so um, I went, he took me out to lunch. And um, that's when I actually first met Scott because he was working for his dad. It was in the summer. And uh, truth be told, I don't remember the yeah, first so time. Yeah, so you know that newlywed game that people force you to play every like five years and you want to kill sure. yourself or... Like you're in a group. <laughs> or like, sure. I'm glad I'm not the only one that thinks yeah. that. It's yeah. the way to get in trouble. It should be called the newlywed game. It should be start a fight with your spouse in the car on the way home game. But yeah. anyway... But Bethany, she's a competitor. I bet you she likes that game. Don't you, Bethany? Oh, love it. I hate it. I do too. Yeah. I, I hate it. You guys can cry on the way home. Yeah, we're just, uh, but we we were at this this uh, small group thing that we were doing, and and they were basically like, okay, was the first time you met? And I go into like this great detail about the first time we met, and she's like, no, we met the first time, and she tells a totally different story. It was actually like two years later. So I made absolutely no impression clearly uh, the first time we met. But then uh, we were really good friends. I was engaged to somebody else, called the wedding off. She was about to get engaged. She broke up with that guy. We were friends for about two years after that. Mm-hmm. But we just went out and had a blast. Yeah, every time we go out, we just we laugh, just laugh and have and, a blast. And, and, and then, I remember and I, I was a little bit older. I'm six years older than Scott. And so I would come home to California and I would be telling my friends about this great guy. We just have so much fun and stuff. And she's like, well, why don't you date him? And I'm like, are you kidding? He's like six years younger than me. No way. Cougar. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> 
But um, then as time went on, just saw how much we do have in common. And um, he loves 80s music. So we were in, we were. We, yeah. We, yeah. And now. So- I don't know. Hold on. Hold on. I'm just, I, I'm suspicious here because this sounds like your, your parents set you up. And then you both break off your It engagements? sounds like a masterful setup. Uh, well, they won't admit to it, but yeah. it could be. I don't think my father-in-law is that smart. <laughs> Oh, oh. <laughs> let's, let's hope no family members are listening to this episode. He'd probably admit to that. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I want to know how did, so you guys said you, you blew it out the doors on blow, you know, you got this crazy expensive wedding. Well, I want to wait. Okay, go ahead. Well, uh, before that, like you said, we were hanging out and we were friends. And then when was the point when, when that switch, when you were like, you know what? I like, this is a thing. Like, let's, let's go for it. Sure. Well, um, I had always, I lived in Pasadena, California, and I had always wanted to live down on the, by the ocean. Um, and so I had decided that I was going to do that before Scott decided to move to California to work for my dad. It's just kind of this crazy story. Anyway, all long story short, I decided to move down. We were having so much fun together, but I was found and determined to live by the beach, which was about an hour away without traffic. I did. I went ahead and moved. Then I went ahead and started to go to a church down there. And I had a lot of guys asking me out and I was torn because I was like, I I really kind of like this, still like the Scott guy. And I'm like, so I asked Scott, I was like, okay, here's the deal. I'm getting asked out by different guys and I'm not sure if I should just go for it and go out with them or what do you think? And he's like, no, you absolutely should not because you're going out with me. And I was like, dude, I love it. So that started the whole thing. That's pretty much it. And then I moved back to Pasadena and we dated for about two more years. No, about a year. Year and a half? Yeah, maybe maybe that long. Year and a half? I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. So it sounds like, Scott, you, you knew... You yeah, were all in. See, I was pretty nervous after I called off that engagement because I actually called off the first engagement the day we got the invitations. It was one month of the day that we were supposed to get married. So my whole thing was the next person I get serious with, I'm going to go through all four seasons with. And so I, I, was, I was driving her crazy, I think, to a point. Um, and so we went through all four seasons, some good seasons, some bad seasons. But then when we got married... I mean, I had to say a lot of people say, oh, our transition into marriage was so hard. For us, it was really super easy because we had dated for 18 months. We had been friends for six years. So it was just a very natural transition for us. And I know a lot of couples struggled the first year. We just didn't. We were a little older. You know, I was 28. She was 33. So we were a little older when we got married. But it was for us, it was a very, very smooth. It was a very smooth transition because I had been through all four seasons and I wasn't I wasn't in the same spot I was with the first fiance. And now yeah. I wonder when was the time when you guys realized, hey, we might need to uh, pay attention to this money thing. Well, we, uh, very, very beginning of our, our marriage. So we got married out in California and then moved to Colorado Springs. And right after this is where Scott grew up. And um, we had decided that this was where we wanted to raise a family. So we decided to buy a condo uh, together. And so we did, and we get married and we move into the condo and we just realized how icky the kitchen was. And so I said, I was leaving to actually go shopping with my grandma. And I said to Scott, as I was leaving, I said, honey, we've got to do something about this. kitchen." No, you said what she said was 
I'm going to buy everything new for this kitchen. Right. What she said was, you need to take care of this kitchen. Oh. So, so, you know, we've been married for about a month. And so I was like, she wants me to get the kitchen. No, no, you asked your brother what I eat. Yeah, yeah. I called my brother who had been married for like four months. And because, you know, he was the pro. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this is what Bethany told me. He says, we're going to gut the thing. We're going to surprise her. We're going to completely gut your kitchen. So he came over with two crowbars. We took every cabinet. It was completely, when she got home three hours later, there was nothing but pipes sticking out of the floor. Yeah. I took every cabinet. We, we gutted the kitchen. And I'm like, I, that is not what I meant. I meant some new placemats, yeah. some Maybe paint. some knobs. Yeah. I was like, $16,000 later, we had a new kitchen. Ooh. But that was kind of our first in a condo money, money faux pas. Yeah, money conflict or conflict, I'm yeah. not quite sure what yeah. you call it. Because I came home and I was like, "What? Are you kidding? I left the refrigerator." You know how much this is going to cost us? I was like freaking out. <laughs> I did do the tile work to save some money. It wasn't straight, but I did do the tile work. Yeah. So, and then you had to pay to get it redone. Yeah, yeah no, it stayed. Trust <laughs> you me, it did. <laughs> that was our first. Oh, and even before that, I have to tell you, this is kind of funny. So Scott goes, so we, we get married, come home from, come back to um, our place, our new place that we'd never lived in uh, after our uh, honeymoon. And we come home and Scott's like, you know what? I'm going to go out to the grocery store and just get all kind of the basics, you know, ketchup, all the basics and stuff like that. All, we need cleaning supplies. We just kind of need everything to stock the kitchen. I was like, oh, great. He comes home with, I don't know, maybe 10 grocery bags full of things. He sets them on the counter and I start unloading them and I'm taking things out one by one. And I'm reading the fact that these are like generic brand products, cheap products. And I'm, and I, as I'm taking each one out, one at a time, I'm getting madder and madder and madder thinking, doesn't he know? I cannot stand probably because of my mom. I cannot stand generic brand products. Are you kidding me? For the rest of my life, I'm going to be eating, eating the icky kind of ketchup. I'm going to be using the bad kind of glass cleaner. I mean, all these things are going through my mind. And even though all those things are going through my mind and what I didn't realize at the time, those were actually money thoughts that were in my mind. But in my mind, I'm thinking generic brand product, da, 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 da. But really there was a foundational money decision that was at the root of all of those. So even before the kitchen fiasco, we had other money conflicts that were happening and we didn't even know that we did not see eye to eye on, on, on a number of different things when it came to money. It's Which a, is pretty normal. I mean, a lot of couples have money fights, right? What do you think right. w- within the realm of money, like what do most couples fight about? Well, it, it's a good question. So to kind of give you some stats, since I'm a stat guy, um, Washington Post put out this amazing study that they did about two years ago that cited the number one cause for divorce was money. And their estimate on their exit poll of divorces was 70% of all divorces, one of the people in the couple, if not both, will cite money as the number one reason for their breakup. And I think the core of that, and I've got a great story about this, but I think the core is we have been told and we have bought into this mindset that if you check these particular boxes, you will not like getting out of debt, paying your house off early, having the perfect budget, saving for retirement. If you, if you check these six key boxes off, you will have a happy marriage when it comes to money. And the reality is that's just absolutely 100% false. And a great example of this is, so Betsy and I, we've both been financial advisors for the last 
man, 25 years, mm-hmm. 26 years. Mm-hmm. And so what kind of spun this whole money couple up was we had a couple that came in uh, for counseling and we were basically reviewing all their assets. We were reviewing where they were. And guess what? They had plenty of money. He was so successful at what he did. He had this amazing IT business out here in the Springs. Everybody knew him in town. He was an amazing guy. And so we had, you know, we had all the graphs ready and we were ready to go. Well, they walk in and they sit down and I don't know if you've ever gotten together with a group of people and one of the couples clearly had a fight in the car. Yeah. And so like, they're mad at each other. They're sitting away from you each other. Cut the tension with them. Yeah. You could cut the tension yeah. with them. It was bad. And so I'm about five minutes into, you know, reviewing everything. And Beth and I are looking at each other like, what the heck is going on? And so finally I was just like, are, are y'all okay? Do you need us to leave the room for a couple of minutes? And she goes, well, actually we're not okay. We don't really care about what you're talking about right now. We're here to split the assets because we're getting divorced. And then she just yeah. stares at us. And, and that's kind of what I was like, uh, and so that we're just, I mean, our jaws hit the ground because it was, it, it came from nowhere. Like we were doing life with these people. They were at the Y watching our kids do soccer. We were watching their kids do soccer. Um, they attended another church, but we knew where they went to church with a lot of our friends. And so it just, for us, it was like, where the heck is this coming from? So Bethany's kind of like me and me under the table, which is you ask them why they're getting divorced. Yeah. And I have to admit, in my mind, I'm like, oh, somebody cheated on somebody else. You know, is he addicted sure. to porn? I it mean, has I'm nothing going, to do with money because you guys are square. Right, because we're managing their money. And they have a lot of it. And they have a lot of it. So then all of a sudden, I just blurt out, well, why are you getting divorced? And she said, money. And we kind of look at each other and she said, we can't agree about money. And so at the time we were so shocked, we didn't really know how to react to that. So we just split up their assets. We just got the quadro out and went through and figured out who was getting what, and they went on their way. Well, two days later, I was, we were so bothered by this. Two days later, I gave them a call and I said, I said, listen, bro, I don't get this. I'm not tracking. How can you be getting divorced over money when you have so much money? I don't understand. I said, just give me two examples so that I can run with this. I said, my first example is coffee. And I was like, coffee, okay, what does that mean? He said, every day, you know, I go to Starbucks and I get my blah, 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 foamy, whatever. And it's $5.25. I do it every day. I do not miss even on a Saturday, Sunday. I said, I know. He goes, do you know for the last 16 years, she's given me a thermos every day I walk out the door. And she asked me not to buy coffee. And she says, why do you buy coffee? And it's then she, 25 cents yeah, brewed and at home. And then she beats me up over that coffee. He's like, I make a million dollars plus a year. If I want to spend five bucks on coffee a day, I'm going to do it. So the second <laughs> yeah. thing is, is lunch. I said, okay. And this guy threw epic lunches. He would get like five or six guys. We would go to wherever he wanted to go, usually his club. He would feed us lunch. We would brainstorm. We would get ideas. We would give him referrals. I mean, it was a referral machine for this guy. I don't know how many millions of dollars of business he wrote off from these lunches. He says, Scott, every time I come home, I get the same dress down every night. Where did you go to lunch? Who did you take? How much did you spend? Oh, you got a Caesar salad? How much did that cost? Did you buy for the whole table like you usually do? Or did they buy their own? He said, I work too hard. And I've got too much stuff that I want to do. She's always mad at me about money. I'm always mad at her about money. It's done. And that put Bethany and I on this real, like, we're big resource people. So it's like, okay, people that want a legendary marriage, they come to you and you're their resource. So we're resource people. So we started saying, there's got to be resources out there. 
all we found was budgeting, getting out of debt, blah, 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 all the stuff we're doing. We could find nothing on marriage and money. And so that's really how the money couple was birthed because what we found out, there were two key aspects of every marriage when it comes to money. There's the to-do list, there's the financial planning, and then there's the, do you want to go into the second phase? Yeah. Then there's the relationship side of money. So the differences that you don't see necessarily eye to eye on day-to-day money decisions. You know, if you think about it today, you know, how many money decisions have I made? I mean, I went to go get gas and I had to decide, am I going to get high grade gas or low grade gas? There's a money component to that. Kids have their last day of school. Are we going to brown bag it for them? Or are we going to let them go out like they want to? There's a money component to that. And we have to decide, is our kid going to be on the travel basketball team or the Y basketball team? Travel. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, an NBA star. Yeah, we go. But, you know, it's just you you have all these decisions that you make every day. There's always a money component to it. And if you see it, very the decision very differently than your spouse that's going to cause conflict hey there it's danielle and justin we'll get back to this week's show in just a moment but we are super excited to share a brand new opportunity for you to invest in your marriage i mean you've got a good life great kids a nice job a nice house but you find yourself stuck In the roommate zone. Dun, dun, dun. You know the roommate zone, right? Oh, yeah. It's that place where you're wrapped up in the business of life and the busyness and missing real intimacy and connection. It's a lousy place to be. And eventually it leads to a crisis. And the truth is, isolation, that's the enemy. Every couple struggles sometimes, and we all need the coaching, resources, and community to come around and support us. Now, we realize not everyone can afford personal coaching or counseling. And so we wanted to make it super easy for everyone to be able to invest consistently in their marriage and get the coaching and the resources and the support they need and have some fun along the way. Of course, that's why we've created Legendary Marriage Tribe. You can get transformational life coaching, awesome online training and resources, and of course, a powerful community that will support and encourage you. So if you're ready to transform your marriage and your family forever, find out more over at legendarymarriage.com slash tribe. Now back to the show. And so people want to say, well, we haven't, you know, we had this one couple, we haven't talked about money for 20 years. Yeah, literally this week we had a couple tell us that. That's not true. That's not possible. It's not, yeah, maybe you didn't talk about your financial planning for 20 years, but you can't not have a decision where there's a money component to that decision together. There's just not possible. So that's why we're on just such a mission because we actually dug down deep, did the research and found out what is that foundational thing that's the problem. And that is that you just, you see money differently. You view it differently. And we, we, you know, you say, you know, opposites attract and it's so true, especially when it comes to money. But the challenge is, is then you have these day-to-day decisions and then opposites attack. So you start attacking your spouse and how they view money. It's so different. Because they're wrong and you're right. Exactly. How could you possibly see it that a bag full of generic uh, cleaning products is the right thing to do? That's just wrong. (laughs) Right. You need to do quality. Why would you get the regular brand cleaning products? It's all the same thing. I know. Okay, so... 
So you talk about five different money personalities yeah. that people have. Like Justin and I are really into the Enneagram and there are other people that have different personality tests that they love. But um, so money is a little bit different. You've got the saver, the spender, the security yeah. seeker, the risk taker, and the flyer. So can you break those down a little bit for us? Absolutely. And and the, the neat thing about this is that one of the things we discovered after doing this for a couple of years is that everybody has that primary one of those five, but you also have a secondary one. And the, your combination is what makes you unique and different. So that's why we actually put a, an assessment together with a, a statistical scientist from Stanford to say, help people figure out what their secondary is. Yeah, this assessment is not what Star Wars character are you the most like. <laughs> um, you know, we took seven years of data, went to the statistical scientist at Stanford. He's actually a PhD in statistical analysis. And wow. said, based on our data here, can you... Can you help us help couples identify their primary and secondary money personalities? We've had over 350,000 people just organically take this free assessment online. And of the 350,000, we have never had one person email us or call us and say, I don't agree with what you're telling me here in this in this assessment. So, so it's so interesting. So these five, you've got the saver that is you know, all about saving money, obviously, for themselves. But the interesting thing about savers is that they love other people to save money too. You know, those people that you like, they're like, I want you to get this good deal, or I want you to use this coupon, or you got to go get this good deal. They're going to be running out soon. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Those saver money personalities. Was that your mom, Bethany? Yes, primary saver. Total primary saver. And then the opposite of that saver is our second one, which is spender. And those are the people who love to do the opposite of what savers do. And they love to spend money. They just love, it's like, it's just kind of part of them. But the thing that's so neat about spenders is that they're extremely generous because just like savers like others to save, spenders love to give to others. They love that giving, that that spending money. It makes them feel good. You know, you you put a, a party together and you say, no gifts, please. But your spenders are probably the people who will bring a gift anyway. They yeah. almost like can't not bring a gift. That's why we have all of our friends take the money personality assessment and just invite the spenders and say no yeah. gift because you get the gift <laughs> and you don't have to write a thank you note. <laughs> there you go. Boom. I would love that. <laughs> See, are you going to be my friend? Let me look at the spreadsheet. Oh, yes. Oh, you're yes, ready. you are. So saver, <laughs> spender. The third one is called a risk taker. Now, these are people that love adventure, newness, new ideas. They like Big risks, small everyday risks. My guess is between the four, between your four money personalities, between the legendary couple, there's some risk taker in there um, because um, they really like that idea of something new. And um, it can even be like a small everyday risk, like a new restaurant or a new park to go to or a new hike to go on or something like that. It doesn't necessarily have to be starting a business. Um, it can be the small everyday risks. So it doesn't necessarily have to do with money. It doesn't have to be like, right. oh, I do these high risk stock yeah. things or something. It's just yeah. like your general personality too. I'm exactly. headed to Vegas. <laughs> exactly. And then the fourth one is security seeker. Now the security seeker is really interesting because they like a plan. Definitely have to have a plan in place. So like a risk taker doesn't necessarily appreciate a plan. 
Um, but a security seeker really needs that plan. And so Scott's secondary money personality is security seekers. So I'm always, and all my, my two kids, in addition, they both have security seeker in their primary or secondary. And so, and I don't have security seeker anywhere in me. So I'm, but I'm constantly in order to relate to them, talking to all three of them about the plan. What's the plan for the day? What are we going to do? What's the plan? And they just, they love it. That just speaks to them. Um, and then with this statistical scientist um, person, we identified that there's a whole group of people who, what we call flyer, they, and the reason we called it that is because they fly by the seat of their pants when it comes to money. Money is not really the first thing that comes to mind when they're making any kind of decision. Like if I decide that I'm going to go to a store, I'm going to have in the back of my mind, the money component to it. A flyer, no way. They just rather go to the store. But here's the neat thing about flyers. Flyers are all about relationships. So they put relationships over money. Every time. Every time. So like my mom is a perfect example. Primary, primary flyer. Primary flyer. So I'll say to her, mom, do you want to go to, and before I even like ask her to do something, the answer is yes. There's no concept of money. I could say, do you want to go to, and I'll barely have lunch out and just say, yeah, tell me where to meet you. Um, you know, she, she doesn't have any concept. She doesn't, she can't well, that's even, not the first thing. No. Yeah. Her first thing is like, boom, I just want to be with my family and I don't really care what we're doing or how we're doing it or where we're doing it. Yeah. Um, so flyers just, that's their initial reaction and they can drive other people in the relationship crazy because then my dad's looking at my mom going, well, do you, do you know what we're spending when we go there? <laughs> so. and, and what's so fun about it is because in, in a person you can have like, for example, primary saver, secondary risk taker. So on one hand, love to save money, don't mind the generic brands, love the coupon, but then at the same time, they love some new things and, and like to maybe start businesses and things like that. So it can be kind of, like, if you're married to that person, it can be kind of confusing because they're like, because the risk taker seems like you wouldn't mind spending money, but you do because the saver kicks in. So yeah. it's super important. You see that importance of understanding both the primary and secondary. And then to make it even more fun, you both have two money personalities. So you they can all be bumping into each other every which way. And you don't even really, if you don't know it, it can be very frustrating. It can be really confusing. So like I'm a primary spender, secondary security seeker. So how does that play out in our relationship and where have we had tension, the most tension in our relationship? Because I'm pretty perfect. She has some issues. So we definitely, <laughs> you know, bump into walls. Oh, man. But um, uh, see why I hate the newlywed game? But So where I'm a primary spender, secondary security seeker. So if she said, hey, we need to go up to Denver, we're going to do some shopping, I'm all in. And we would go shopping, but then on the way home, I'd be like, oh, we probably shouldn't have bought this. And uh, that wasn't was a huge mistake. That wasn't in the that wasn't in the cash flow worksheet this month. What were we thinking? So I literally suck the joy out of 100% of the last three hours that we had. And half the stuff I would get returned. Well, that's really confusing to be married to because it's like, well, wait a minute. Two hours ago, you were fine doing this. And now you're, you're, you know, basically questioning everything that we just did. And that, so that's complicated in a relationship. But once we understood our money personalities, oh, so Bethany would say, hey, let's go shopping. And according to the plan, we're okay to spend this much. And guess what? 
I never look back. I never complain. And once we did that deep dive, I mean, there's one thing to know what they are, but it's another thing to do a deep dive and to say, okay, what does this really mean for us as a couple? And how can we really accomplish some great things in this world together, even though we have differences? Wow, it is so freeing and fun to see couples work through that. Now, do you, if you had the same exact results with your primary and your secondary, would that theoretically mean you don't have any money fights? Well, it's very interesting. We have about, we've identified about three couples, only three within all the 350,000 that have the same primary and secondary. So it's super duper. Wow, yeah. And one of the couples, because we, when we speak, you know, in front of large audiences and stuff, and a lot of times they come up and we said, you know, at that point, we hadn't had any that we knew of. And they came up, and they're like, we were the same. We were the same. I think we were your first couples. We were the same. They, it was their third marriage. And they did tons and tons of assessments to make sure and to identify that they were totally alike because, and didn't having nothing to do with money originally. Yeah. Um, because in their marriages, both of their marriages before, for both of them, they had married their total opposites and they just had so many problems. We just find that so fascinating. And, but you know, and it's great to be, have a similarity. I mean, Scott and I have our primary is similar is exactly the same, which is great. Um, but we know why most of the time there is an opposite dynamic going on in the relationship. And is that is because we are attracted to people who are different than us. My secondary is risk taker. Scott's secondary is security seeker. And there was some subconscious thing going on inside of me when I met him that I was like, oh my goodness, he'll balance me out. He'll help me kind of come down from the clouds when my ideas are a little over the top. Well, you have this idea when you go into a marriage, like we're going to like perfectly fit together and like everything will be wonderful. That's so true. And so, uh, yeah, so you feel like, well, we're your weak, I'm strong and vice versa. And then when we bring our oneness together, it'll be magic and wonderful. (laughs) And and I think what you're pointing at is is so important, getting on the same page about this issue, because when you're not, it just, it leads to what you guys talk about, uh, financial infidelity. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay, So break that down for us. Okay. So one of the things that, as, as we evolved as the money couple and we sat down with more and more couples, we were like, man, there is a lot of lying, cheating, hoarding, stealing, secret savings accounts. I mean, just across the board. And so it was so funny. We were in a boardroom one time and, and Bethany said, it's like kind of like infidelity. It's like financial infidelity. And then we all laugh. And I was like, I'm going to see if I can trademark that. I couldn't. Um, but that started this whole conversation about financial infidelity. What we found out was that 65% of all women have either a secret credit card, a secret checking account, or some type of money secret that their spouse doesn't know about. And 30 <laughs> and 35% of all men have these same secret accounts. Wow. So Bethany was, why is the women so much higher? And she's like, I don't know. You should start talking to women about this. So I would call people that had that we had counseled about this. And I said, you know, really explain to me why you had the secret credit card or you had the secret checking account. And what it came back to was a trust issue that in about nine out of 10 reasons, it wasn't like they didn't want to know what he was spending at Nordstrom's. They didn't trust him with the money in the first place. So I've got this hilarious story. We're at dinner about two years ago. 
We're with this couple and they're, they're probably in their, they've been married for probably close to 30 years. They're probably in their early fifties. And we started talking about financial infidelity and he turns to her and goes, tell her your story. I know you're dying to tell Beth the story. And, and so she says, okay, fine. So she had, he had gone to her about 10 years earlier and said, um, I want to buy this franchise. She, he showed her why he wanted to, to do it. It would make us this much money. And he ended up making a ton of money off of it. But how do we, is it, but we can't afford it because we need $10,000 to put down. And she's like, oh, hold on just a second. So she goes into her bedroom, comes back with a brown paper bag, like old school brown paper bag, <laughs> full of cash. He is like, what the heck? He, she goes, what? He goes, what is that? She goes, it's my bra money. And he's like, what do you mean it's your bra money? And she goes, listen, I'm Italian. And my mom taught me that when you go to the grocery store, you always write the check for the groceries over by 10, 20, 30, $40. You stick that in your bra. And then when you get home, you put it in your bra drawer. She had $12,000 in cash that had gone into this bra door money over like a 15, 20 year period. So they were able to get the franchise. So part of them was like, hey, this is great. But part of them was like, wait a minute. You've had like 12 grand in, you know, 10s, 20s, and 50s in your bra drawer for the last 20, 20 years of our marriage, and you hid that from me. So part of him was like, so he turned to me and he's like, that's financial infidelity, right? I said, yeah. I mean, he ended up working out for you, but that's a great kind of hilarious um, story about, you know, an Italian lady whose mom taught her to stick money All right. right well i want to i'll know. be right back i just i just i just have to go look up look yeah up. check I, my drawers i'll be right back go see what that looks like I do put a lot of stuff in my bra it's usually my phone yeah so it's usually not money um so bethany i want to know when you talk to women and you know because it was quite a bit more women than men that had these secret stashes um what do you think was the finding there like why was it that women were hiding these things more than men well, what's really fascinating, you would think it's because, well, they want to spend more and they might want to go out and get that, you know, purse and maybe not say how much it costs and things like that. And that would be the reason. But actually, based on our research, that wasn't the reason that a lot of women had these secret accounts. What was happening is that these, the husbands, like, let me tell you this story about this couple. So they both came in and they were just, he was just like, he just had just found out that his wife had a secret credit card and he was beyond himself. He it was had 15 grand on it. At 15 grand on it, he was so upset. And he's like, we have to come in and talk to you guys. I can't believe she did this. She committed financial infidelity, blah, 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 blah. And Scott said to him, he said, you know, okay, that's fine. You can do that. But what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to bring in the credit card statement that she, you know, that went along with this credit card. And so he said, okay, oh, cool, of course I will. So they brought it in. They, they both came in. You know, she kind of has her head down. And, and he's like, see, look at this. This is, you know, I can't believe she did this. And what are we going to do about this? And so Scott took the credit card statement and started looking at it and started seeing these, the, the charges on there were for kind of everyday kind of things like going to Target and, you know, not, not, not like going to Nordstrom's and, you know, spending a lot of money on unnecessary things. It was like, yeah. you know, gas. I mean, things like that, that were just kind of everyday. And Scott said, you know what, I'm kind of confused and looked at her he said, I'm kind of confused. Why are all the charges on here? Kind of your typical everyday kind of expenditures. And she's like, well, 
he won't give me enough money for diapers and stuff that I need for our kids. And it's just, I had to do it. I had to get this credit card because he just held onto the money. So holds onto the money so tight, mm. so tight. I have to say he kind of forces me into it. He goes, I mean, I'm not spending money unnecessarily, but maybe he just doesn't realize how much things cost or something. I don't know. I can't convince him. So I just said, forget it. I'm sick of this. I'm just going to go get this card. And so what we learned from that, and then when we dug deeper, is a lot of times, not men necessarily, but that saver, security seeker, money personality, which is not gender specific. But if a man has that combination, they hold on to it so tight. They insist on every receipt that you, you know, have that has to, has to come back to me. And, and, oh, I see something's on the credit card. I didn't see a receipt for that. That kind of thing that would drive a person who does not have those money personalities. Absolutely crazy. Therefore forcing them into this behavior just for self-preservation. Mm. So I think one of the things that we need to do as couples is to really realize what we're doing and how we're coming across, because we may be forcing our spouse into behavior that will ultimately hurt the relationship. We, we have found that control is the number, I mean, we've got five reasons uh, that people commit financial infidelity, but control is definitely the, one of the bigger ones. Yep. And when you have somebody, like I turned to him with the statements, and I'll never forget this. I, I, I took the statements, I put it in front of him, and I said, when she divorces you in three years, it's on you. And just, and just stared at it because it's true. That's why people bounce out of marriages because when there's that level of control and control is never good in a relationship, but there is something different when it comes to financial control. When you have someone that's holding the purse strings, it's, it's, it's just as controlling as telling somebody what they can eat, what they can wear and who their friends can be. There is no there is no difference, and I think it's probably worse. And so with the hundreds of thousands of people that have taken our money personality assessment, we have found that 80% of people in relationships have a direct opposite money personality. So either their primaries are different or their secondaries are different. And you can have a relationship that has all four money personalities in it, and then you're really going to have some opportunities for misunderstanding. The reality is, is that someone's controlling, it's going to force them into financial infidelity. So when we found that 70% of all divorces cite money is the number one reason for their breakup, we were like, well, of course that's true. Yeah. Because 80% of all couples out there statistically, and we have more stats than anybody on this, have different money personalities. So if you, you can either take these money personalities and make your relationship stronger, Beth pushes me to do things I never thought I could do before because her risk taker is part of a part of what makes me a better man. She's I'm the security seeker. So she knows our insurance is taken care of. She I do all the taxes, you know, she knows all of those things are in order. And we talk about them. And we're super open about them. But she can release that to me. And that's really, if you want a legendary marriage, instead of fighting about money, if you can come alongside each other and strengthen each other, you know, it's the old proverb, iron sharpens iron. It's so true. You can have the best relationship in the world because you've got all four money personalities that are humming. And you really can get to a point where as a couple, both your needs are being met and there's no control. And you know what your kids are going to see? 
your kids are going to see no more arguments in the drive through at McDonald's because one wants to go home and one wants to just stop and get it because they don't want to do the dishes. You can have a relationship where your kids say, hey, my mom and dad talk about money. They don't fight about money and they're honest with me about money. And so it's not only an awesome blessing for your marriage, but it's a generational gift that, that you can give your kids as well. Yeah, mm. that's so cool. Um, oh you guys gosh, have you guys. been talking about um, these five personalities, and I know you have a test and you have the book and all sorts of resources around that. Yeah. So um, let us know, like, how can our listeners find you guys and all those resources? Absolutely. Well, we put together for your listeners a special link. Um, and in this link, it has access to our money personality assessment. It has access to our book, um, the five money personalities. And then it also has access to our system. We actually put a love and money system together. So you can actually use your money personalities inside of your relationship and make them hum, just like Scott was talking about. So here's the link. It's themoneycouple.com slash legendary. So pretty easy, themoneycouple.com slash legendary. And you will see those resources on there and have an instantaneous um, access to them all for your listeners. And you guys, oh, so awesome. uh, you, you can get the book, five money, the five money personalities speaking the same love and money language yep. uh, on Amazon and all those places. Yep. And also right through that website. That website. Wow. Yep. And actually in our system, we actually include the book, which is oh, really brilliant. Cool. So yeah, we have a brilliant. system. It's, um, takes, uh, you can either take 90 days to go through it, or you can drink through a fire hose and do it in a week. And we have an online version and we have a physical kit and, um, we've made it fun. And I'm just really excited because I know it cha changed our relationship and I know it's just going to revolutionize so many relationships out well, there. I, I think you're so right. Getting, getting on the same page about money is one of the core things that, that we've talked about with couples over the years and has been important for us. And I, I think it does, it changes the nature of not just a relationship, but a family. Like it, it can really truly change things forever. Generational. Uh, I think I know, I think I know where you'll probably go with this last question. Okay. But, uh, what does it take to have a legendary marriage? I think it's all about communication. I, I mean, I, I know that's kind of the patent answer. Well, if you communicate, everything works out. And I'm kind of like, yeah, it kind of does. And <laughs> so, um, and I think really understanding, you know, Bethany has this great mentor and she told Bethany about 10 years ago, get a PhD on your spouse. And, and that's something that we work on. I mean, every once in a while, Beth will say something and we've been married 21 years this July and um, she'll say something and I'm like, What? I didn't know that happened to you. We've been married 21 years and that's the first time that came up. And so just never stop learning about your spouse. Mm -hmm. And remember you married them and they are completely different than you are. You, you don't expect your kids. We have two boys and they are so different. They're mm -hmm. so awesome. I mean, they're the greatest kids in the world. Of course they're mine, but they're the greatest kids in the world, but they are so different. I don't expect them to be alike just because their last name is Palmer. And we can't put that expectation on each other. I married somebody totally different from me. She's better than me. She's my best friend. And I'm never going to stop learning about her. And she's never going to stop learning about me. Absolutely. Awesome. All right, you guys, thanks so much for being on the show. Our pleasure. It was great to be with y'all. So I know you're a weird combination <laughs> yes. of a couple of these. Yeah, I have this weird combination. As I read the book, I'm like, I am a risk taker, but I'm also really a security seeker. 
Um, which is, that seems like they would be in conflict. Which is crazy. But she said any two of them can go together. Yeah. Like I was looking at like the spender one. I have a lot of the attributes of the spender, but I'm not a spender. Yeah. So it's like she well, said. Let me back. Let me. I, she said. That, yeah. N- no, you're not. Kind of. Okay, maybe this is a, uh, this is for pillow talk. This is a conversation <laughs> for pillow talk. Um, yeah, but so much good. I mean, I would just suggest you dive in with this with your spouse yeah. because definitely the talk about it. Seg- and now the talk about it segment of the show. Each week we challenge you to have a conversation that matters. Is going to be very important. All right, from the descriptions that Scott and Bethany shared on the show. What is your main money personality? Are you a spender, a saver, a security seeker, a risk taker, or a flyer? Or what combination? All right. So check that out with your spouse. Um, That may cut down on some of... I feel like just knowing where you're coming from can cut down on a lot of the conflict just to know like, oh, that's why they're saying that. Like she said with her mom. Oh, look, there's the perspective. Yeah. All right. That's all for this week's show. And as always, we're talking about all the hot topics and our free community on Facebook. So hit us up at legendarymarriage.com slash community. You can find this episode and the show notes at legendarymarriage.com slash 132. Lastly, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show so we know how we're doing and other couples can find us. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Legendary Marriage Podcast. This is Danielle and Justin reminding you... Don't settle for an ordinary marriage. Make yours legendary! Legendary!